What's happening, folks? I am Alicia Henley, aka The Smooth Factor. Welcome to my Crash Pad. This is a podcast for technologists, creatives, and my techie tribe. On it, we'll be going behind the scenes and looking at some of the latest technologies that drives incredible experiences. And of course, we'll have open discussion on the challenges, success, and the designs of these spaces. So without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode. All right, well, welcome to another exciting episode of Crash Pad. And everyone listening, I know I say this a lot, but I am truly, truly excited because we are about to talk about the project of the year. If not the year, legit the decade. Like this project is so amazing and it is going to be fresh and new for ages, ages to come. So I'm going to introduce my guests. We have a wide range of guests. We have a little bit of all the moving parts here from AT&T, Gensler, and SNA Displays. So without further ado, let's hop into this with Justin Rankin. Justin from Gensler, how are you, man? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to talking with you. Yes, and we have Stu Ives. Stu, how are you today from SNA Displays? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. It's awesome. 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 You guys are my favorite. Don't tell anybody, but you are my favorite. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also have Roger Ferris from AT&T. How are you, Roger? Thank you for being here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Excited to talk about the AT&T Discovery District. Yes, we've seen tons and tons of blogs, but this time we're actually going to do some talking. We're going to tell the people what all went into this amazing project at AT&T Discovery District. So, Roger, we're going to kick it off with you. Tell us about this bold vision that you have brought together with your team at AT&T. Let's, let's just open this can of worms. Tell us about this amazing project at the AT&T Discovery District. All right, cool. So let me start by just telling you my role on the team. So I work for the Discovery District. I'm the creative lead. I'm responsible for creating all of the content and working with the run of shows for the Discovery District. The Discovery District is is a public-facing part of AT. Actually, let me start. Let me start that over. The AT&T Discovery District is located in downtown Dallas. It's actually a portion of AT&T's global corporate headquarters. The project was actually started about five years ago when AT&T is a company, the senior leaders of the company had to make a decision as to whether or not we were going to stay in downtown Dallas or we were going to relocate the campus. And the bold decision was made to stay in downtown, to remain in the central business district and to actually be a catalyst for change. So that the AT&T Discovery District is not only meant to be a world-class headquarters for the 6,000 plus employees of AT&T that operate out of the headquarters building, but also to be a powerful platform for engaging the local community. I mean, clocking in at a little over 92 million pixels, the AT&T Discovery District has, it is literally one of the most powerful public programmable spaces in the country, you could say the world. The media ecosystem is incredible. So that's, I mean, that's a little bit about just the background of the Discovery District. Gotcha, gotcha. And from your role there at the company, we talked about, you're talking about content a lot. You know, how did you approach your content objectives with this project because that's what you see first especially in all the videos that are out there you see this gigantic screen with this amazing content how did you approach the content objectives yeah I actually if, I mean if you don't mind I, I'd love to just talk for a minute about the actual media ecosystem itself and Justin and Stu feel free to jump in too but I mean I already mentioned that in terms of a publicly programmable space the district is unmatched in the nation it, you could say in the northern hemisphere 
Um, it's state of the art. I mean, obviously the piece that people are most familiar with, if you're familiar with the district at all, is our 104 foot tall state of the art 6K giant media wall. It's the equivalent of an average 10 story building. And it wraps the corner of one of the four primary buildings in the Discovery District. There's a plaza there, and then that's on one of the main buildings. And it actually serendipitously perfectly lines up. I mean, I think you could make an argument that Ginsler designed it that way on purpose. This media wall perfectly lines up with one of the main streets in downtown Dallas to where you can see this media wall from like eight to 10 blocks away. That media wall definitely is a prominent element of the overall media ecosystem, but that's just the starting point. There's two huge architectural trellises that were designed as a part of the project to create the Discovery District that are like two-story trellises. They run for over a city block. They've got, I mean, if you look at the amount of LED that's lined in those trellises, there's over 35,000 pixels in those trellises. They're all individually addressable. You have a signature sculpture called the Globe that has eight LiDAR sensors. It's packed with, again, more pixels. It's got eight speakers. Like you walk into it, it senses you, it responds to you. I mean, that's its whole little ecosystem in and of itself. It's also become one of the most popular selfie spots in the in the city of Dallas, honestly. And then you've got the lobby, and the lobby was really made for sound. So the lobby itself is an amazing canvas for content. It has what we, a very special display that covers the second floor ceiling. It runs all the way down the side, two sidewalls of the second floor. The main H HQ lobby ground floor is open to the second floor, so you see this giant overhead canvas surrounding you. There's eight giant columns that are about five feet wide each. Some of them go up two stories. They're covered uh, floor to ceiling with high resolution LED. And then we have this another canvas in the HQ lobby that we call the media box. That is, if you take it and you stretch it all the way out, it's 60 foot wide and 15 foot tall covered with high resolution LED. So that lobby has 62 speakers in it. I mean, the whole thing is just an amazing canvas for immersive content. And then you've got all the speakers and pixels that we have in the plaza as well. All of this is driven by one robust, completely integrated content management system that controls all of those media services. So really it is, I mean, there are individual canvases that are maybe larger, but when you think about the entire media ecosystem as a whole, there's nothing that's more complex, more, more sophisticated, you know, as a publicly programmable space than the district. So it's a very, very special place. And we've really focused on trying to create content that keeps it special because obviously, um, you know, what you play makes a big difference. The canvases themselves are just really, really impressive, but it's how you choose to activate them that makes all the difference. Absolutely. And that's one thing that is a constant debate on the AV side of things, right? You can have the biggest screens, you can have thousands of pixels, but really the content is what's driving that experience and making it immersive. But Roger, you said two things that really stood out to me through all of the speakers and pixels and all of the different environments that you have going on there at the heart of the district. You said Ginsler did this on purpose, probably. And from what I know about Gensler is that they do everything with intent and everything on purpose. So Justin, I'm going to bring you into this conversation now because this is something that you guys do across the board. But really, you have done it exceptionally well across this large project there in the heart of the district. So once you knew what AT&T was trying to accomplish and their vision and their goals with this space, what, what was the design strategy? Such an easy question to answer. The design strategy for 
one of the most impressive digital installations in the country or the world. Um, it was it was a process, and I would say, um, as with all things as part of this project, there were a lot of people that contributed and that were ultimately part of you know, designing and implementing the strategy. Roger was a big driver of that. Roger's had a really strong creative vision through the entire process. And then through various partners like SNA and Moment Factory and various others, um, we all worked really closely with AT&T to, to define what the strategy would be and, and ultimately how to execute that. So it really started, as Roger mentioned, five years ago. You know, early on, the project was really focused on renovating this public plaza, making it a nicer space, a space where people wanted to hang out, uh, a space that employees could feel proud about. Historically, downtown Dallas hasn't really been a place where people want to hang out after five o'clock. You know, people kind of go to work and they do their thing and they want to go home. And so part of that early vision was really focused on that. And that shifted a little bit, you know, through those early years, the kind of charge for all of the collective teams became more around what Roger was mentioning earlier, really focusing on the community, engaging the community, really giving back to the city of Dallas, giving back to AT&T employees. And through that, and through some unique circumstances with AT&T and AT&T owned brands, we were able to really shift uh, the focus and really make media uh, a big part of the project. And so that's where uh, the Genzer team really amped up uh, our digital experience design practice area was engaged in the project to work alongside our architecture team, our interior design team, our brand team, and others, hospitality, retail, to figure out how do we bring all of these pieces together to um, execute on this vision. So our focus was to understand first what the needs of the space were, what the opportunities were. So there was a lot of research that we did. We studied all kinds of other global headquarters all of the top, I would say, Fortune 10 headquarters we visited in person to study those and understand what was working, what wasn't working. One of the things that's most unique about the Discovery District as a global headquarters is that it's wide open to the public. When you look at the other Fortune 10 and even Fortune 20, 50 companies, their HQs are really locked down. You know, it's really difficult to access them. So here we had a fundamentally different opportunity to bring the community in and do something really unique. So um, through lots of research, uh, stakeholder interviews, user groups, uh, studying all of these other existing spaces, we developed a strategy around what could these digital platforms be? Where should they be within the district? How do we create this natural flow of people engaging with those activations? So with the Discovery District, it really starts arguably at what we call the VIP entry, which is over off of Commerce Street at the entrance to Whitaker Tower. Whitaker Tower is the main uh, headquarters building. So as you enter through, even through that space, you have kind of an immersive experience. There's an overhead kind of canopy of addressable LED and there's a big LED light wall. That takes you into this amazing, beautiful and immersive lobby space. As you transi transition out of the lobby into the plaza, you're greeted with this amazing globe sculpture, all of the ground lights, all of this immersive audio happening around you. And then you get access to the trellises on either side of the plaza and the large media wall. So all of that was choreographed really carefully to create this seamless experience. So whether you're coming in from the VIP entry, you're coming in from another part of the district, you're getting this connection of experiences. We've built an ecosystem. It's not just one thing. You know, a lot of times we see projects where you've got this one kind of big lobby installation and it's impressive and it's cool. 
uh, here, it's like a whole journey and an adventure that people can take. So yeah, we developed a strategy. We then started to really dig into the design to study some of the specifics with the media wall specifically, as Roger mentioned. There were a lot of studies that we did on the view corridor and understanding how people would view that media canvas, looking at different angles, thinking about the sun, the placement of the sun, direct light onto the media wall, working with Stu and the SNA team to understand what type of hardware we needed, what pixel pitch did it need to be, how bright did it need to be, and then other ancillary challenges like how are we going to deal with the fact that there's two major hotels directly across the street? You know, we're blasting light into these hotel bedrooms. Um, how do we deal with that? And how do we be conscious and careful of that? Also, bigger challenges like how do we work literally with the city of Dallas to rewrite the downtown signage code to allow for something like this that's never existed before. So those are all things that Gensler helped with. And of course, as I said before, worked really closely with Roger and AT&T, as well as our partners like SNA. Uh, but ultimately, it came together. Uh, we, I think, executed on the vision exactly the way that we saw it uh, from day one. In fact, it's interesting if you go back and look at our renderings from four years ago and look at photos of the finished space, it's shockingly identical. In fact, the, the photos, this doesn't happen often, but the photos look way better than the renderings, um, which is really impressive. So we're really excited about about that and it's been a huge success uh, the way it's come together the the reaction from the community the reaction from employees has all been extremely positive uh, watching what gets posted in social media for us now with the project having been live for several months is super exciting and, and makes us really proud yeah if I could if I could add to that I would say the way we talk about the discovery district is that it's like the convergence of technology entertainment and culture. And so 100% the district is, you know, built for the six plus thousand employees that office out of the corporate headquarters, but it also is AT&T's kind of like love letter to the city of Dallas. I mean, we wanted to be a catalyst for change. We wanted to invest in the community. And honestly, it's pretty unprecedented to have a private company invest that kind of money and, and constantly have a program of events and to stand up a food hall and to have a beer garden and a you know high-end restaurant and a Dallas Cowboys fit gym and to have all of this like on our property open to the public I really appreciate the fact that that um Justin mentioned that like this is an unprecedented fact that our, our we're opening up the ground floor and in some cases more than that of of our campus buildings and inviting people onto our campus. I mean, honestly, it's, it's the response has been pretty amazing. We have tens of thousands of people there on any given weekend. Now we have a constant program of events, which are actually not uh, events that are for profit. It's, it's all for free. We have a little mini art gallery that we also open. People can walk into our lobby and see this content. So, I mean, from the get go, I would say the intent has been to execute at a world-class level and to, to, you know, create a pride of ownership for AT&T employees, but to also just create something that's destination worthy for, for people of the city of Dallas and to bring great content and to bring great art to the people of the city of Dallas and to visitors to the city. I mean, these media, these media canvases, they're on 24 hours a day. They're on 365 days a year and two and a half hours of it are promo content for Warner Media, you know, movie trailers and things like that, which even just seeing those 10 stories tall are pretty freaking cool. But the other 21 and a half hours a day, it's all art. It's it's just like the way I talk about it is like a camp, like a fireplace in a room 
makes that room a pleasant place to be. It makes it a place you want to dwell. It affects the mood and the environment of that room. The, uh, the, the media wall has the ability to do that for our, our plaza. And yeah, so, absolutely. You and brought so we've all been, the right people together to make this happen. That's right. So we've tried to really curate the content very intentionally so that we're creating a really wonderful atmosphere for the people that come to enjoy it and to make it a place where they want to come back and dwell because the vibe is a cool vibe. So 21 and a half hours of, of artful content a day, that's pretty unprecedented. It's all about the vibe, Roger. You got to have good vibes. That's what people want. They want to have good vibes. They want to have a good time. They want to be out there enjoying themselves and taking selfies all over the place because that is legit what it's about. That's how people are engaging with spaces. That's right. They're going to self-select to be there or not. And so one of the things you know that we worked on with Ginsler from the very beginning was Justin mentioned these working sessions where we were brainstorming, you know, what do we want to go create together? And one of the things we said is we honestly, we want to be the antithesis of Times Square. We want to be a place where people want to come and the vibe is so cool. You just want to stay and dwell and hang out. We have people just sitting on our lawn for hours in the evening, just chilling with their families or with their friends, you know, and if you look up and you see this beautiful art, it's just, it literally bathes the entire plaza after hours in the glow of this media wall. And we've actually together created an environment where, I mean, it's even on a subconscious level, you might not even realize it, but these trellis that run the entire length of the main plaza lawn, they're bathing you in light that's animatedly rolling rolling down, you know, creating different behaviors over the hours. It's like constantly changing, constantly evolving. There's always something new to see in the district. Like the light that's coming through the trellis, it's actually sampling the content on the screen. So as the art on the screen changes, it affects the lights on the trellis in their behaviors and their colors. And so even on a subconscious level, in that very simple act, we're kind of making a statement about the power of this invisible network and, you know, how it can improve your life or just make the vibe pleasant. We're constantly trying to think of ways in terms of what the art is and how we create content for the district that seems relevant coming from AT&T, but in a very soft and artful way. It, it, came, it came together very well. And art, that brings me to the next subject because SNA, we're talking, you know, we're talking about displays when we start talking about Stu and your team and the involvement that you had in, in your seat at the table here. But you guys are no strangers to art and content. And I think that's what's made you stand out amongst so many other choices that you could have went with on this project as far as hardware but you guys get the content you get the vision and you get that there has to be a vibe and also anybody who's listening to the show knows that I've had Jason on before and we're always talking about pixels we're always talking about pixels you know we have we've got this many pixels at this place we got this many pixels at this place but this space if you include you know the media wall the lobby the the whole entire experience this by far has to be the most pixels that you guys have ever done um it, it's pretty close um it is a phenomenal in in one place absolutely um and and just backing up to what roger was saying just being a part of this process for the past you know myself personally for the past couple of years and watching the district you know from the first time the screen was ever commissioned and turned on um to watching more and more people be down there every time i went down there to work on you know this little piece of it or that little piece of it um was really phenomenal because everyone knows what it is now um, when it was first going up on the side of the building, no one, you know, everyone at the hotel across the street of the Adolphus was just like, what is that thing that's going on the side of a building? And like, what's happening with it? Um, and will it kill our windows, right? 
Um, but even going from they legit rung they legit rung the alarms right. on that over there, Stu. Ring the alarms because the pixels are roll the pixels are rolling out, and we're taking over the we, we're taking over that Dallas we district. We love pixels. <laughs> um, and you know, talking about the the architecture of the space and our involvement in you know. Instead of every building that you have down here is a really square building. They're really honestly kind of boring buildings. But the conversation about with Gensler, do we make it a hard 90 or do you take a curve and, and wrap it around the building? Um, and, and that is an important distinction of this wall. It's not just a return on the side of a building. It wraps you around. It brings you to Jackson. It brings you... Um, to the statue over there. Um, it, that really made the difference, I think. And, and Roger, I would love your thoughts on this and, and made the difference in content as well, not just having a, a solid return. Oh, absolutely. Like, I honestly credit the two of you, SNA and, and Ginsler, for having the vision. You know, there were several incidences throughout the course of developing this project, both on the outdoor plaza media wall and in the lobby, actually, because I, I referred to earlier a piece of uh, a media canvas in there called the media box. The media box in the lobby actually is a three-sided box that if you stretched it out as one continuous canvas, it's 60 foot long. But it has a 40-foot front, and, it, and the whole thing is 15-foot tall. So um, having media surfaces that actually turn corners completely change what you can do with them. I mean, it's amazing. I would also say, you know, my experience has been that, you know, having those columns, that we have eight columns that flank our lobby, four on each side down the length of the lobby. Having those columns wrapped from floor to ceiling on all four sides is such an amazing canvas that allows us to do all kinds of really cool things that a, a flat screen could never pull off. So it's like, for example, because we go around the corner of a building outdoors, we have the ability to create trompe illusions or like these optical illusions where you really feel like something dimensional is coming out the screen at you. And you're like, God, you're like, God, I know that that screen is curved and goes around the corner, but it looks like, you know, something is coming out at me or is like in three dimensional space or in the lobby, we're able to actually, sometimes we've turned those columns into glass cases and had something inside the glass case that was rotating, you know, like on a stand that's rotating inside of a glass box. So it's like, there's lots of really cool things that you're able to do when your media surfaces turn corners that you couldn't otherwise do if they were flat. Right. And, and Stu, what what series or what type of product is, is put in place there that's turning those corners and making this possible? So there's a custom, you know, it's a 667, but the all the corner panels are custom smaller panels to make that, that turn there. Um, which, you know, de and dealing with, you know, how do we, you know, match those being that they're a different, you know, type of panel, how do we match that with the, you know, the flat surface of the wall? And that was, a, a you know, going into it was always a goal to make sure that, you know, there's a uniform canvas as you look across and you, you know, the, the curve just blends right in. Um, and sort of the result, that pixel pitch um, sort of was driven by the resolution that AT&T wanted to be able to stack two 4Ks uh, on that wall and not have to do any sort of crazy scaling when it comes to that. Um, you know, I remember when it was originally, you know, cause you have the discovery store underneath there and originally it was a header and then the main screen. And then those things became one and that, you know, was the right decision in the end there. Yeah. It upped the wow factor there. Absolutely. The ability to, you know, to span that, 
that bottom section there, you know, that took a lot of a good bit of engineering because those subframes are 17 foot tall um, to be able to accomplish that and to be able to have one unified canvas there. So it was a good bit of engineering on the, the SNA side of things. Well, I was going to say like kudos to SNA. You know, they've been uh, amazing through the whole process, but Gensler and SNA were able to work really closely together to figure out, you know, this kind of engineering marvel of a media wall, you know, and getting that installed on this building, thinking about how to set it off from the building, how to deal with heat, how to deal with, you know, the fact that you can stand underneath the media wall and look up and see the gap between the surface of the LED and the building itself. So how to treat that, how to treat the return on both sides. And then of course, how to deal with the top and fans and ventilation, in addition to all the crazy kind of city things that we had to do to figure out. So it really was a feat. And the media wall doesn't stand alone in that regard. You know, the globe sculpture was another architectural feat in and of itself, designing it, dealing with all of these crazy compound curves and embedding lighting and speakers and subwoofers and sensors. There was a lot, not to mention the fact that it was fabricated, you know, in Europe and and fully assembled and then disassembled and shipped on planes and reassembled. And there's so many facets to this project. Uh, and it really took everyone working together really closely to, to pull it off successfully. It was fabricated in Europe because we literally could only find two people in the entire world that could pull it off with the compound curves and this and like the specialty design that it was involved in creating that globe sculpture. I mean, like people might not realize just how complicated and special that that globe sculpture is because it looks just like a sphere and you're like that doesn't seem that out of the ordinary when you realize that there's compound curves in it that literally only two companies in the entire world could pull off it's pretty amazing to think about um i think of it as like the 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 bean 2.0 because on the outside, it has that chrome mirrored surface like the bean in Chicago, but you can walk inside the globe. It's filled with LED lights and LIDAR sensors that are, you know, motion sensors and speakers, and it senses you, it responds to you. Um, we have different modes for it, so it's not always the same mode. We can change it based on time of day or time of year. So, I mean, it's a, it, the whole district overall is pretty special, um, but with great kind of power comes great responsibility, and that's why I think that just the type of content that we've striven to make and how we want to engage the public, I think becomes a really, really important part of the overall equation. And I think of it in terms of ROE, which is return on engagement. So it's like when you think about return on engagement of of like a platform that you've created and how the public has responded to that, it's really been incredible. I mean, like I said earlier, we have tens of thousands of people in terms of foot traffic on any given weekend. We're humbled by that. And we, we, continue to try to keep the bar really high in terms of the events we plan, the content we create to make it continually a place where people want to be. And that's, I would say that that's how we, when we look back and assess the project, that's how we define success. And the mission here was give back to the employees, give back to the city of Dallas, create a destination. I talked about how historically people haven't wanted to hang out downtown after five o'clock and it's completely different. You know, and you go into the district, pick any night of the week, pick a Tuesday night, uh, go show up at six o'clock and you will see a surprising number of employees who have been at work all day who are choosing to spend their time to stay on campus and hang out 
and engage with the media, engage with the food and beverage venues, or just hang out in the in the lawn and, and spend time. They have their families drive in and meet them downtown after work. That's super cool. And then you see all these people from all parts of town coming in as a destination. And we've spent a lot of time since the opening, various people on our team walking around the district and talking to the public and asking them questions. You know, where are you from? And, you know, why did you choose to come here? And how far did you travel to get here? And it's surprising how many people are traveling from outside of downtown after hours to come hang out. I shouldn't say it's surprising. That was the intent. Um, but it's it's special to realize that that's happening. That was the goal. And it's really cool. You look at all these photos on social media and you see the you know, the crowds of people and everyone having a good time. And it's it's really exciting. Anybody who's trying to get the employees back to work, this is what you do. You create a space where they actually want to be, right? Like that's a com- that's an ongoing conversation. Everybody's talking about hybrid. Oh, I don't want to go back to the office. Oh, I prefer to go to the office. Oh, I'm going to spend two days in the office. Oh, maybe I'm just going to spend one, right? You want to get people back in the office. This is how you get them engaged. And that is definitely a high point of this project because not only was it for the community, it was for the community of AT&T and their team members and their employees as well and it just fuses all of this community together in one spot of like immersion and and that ties it all together the the it's it's really a guided journey through an immersive experience even though you have parts that are outside you have parts that are inside all of this is a guided journey through a very catered and detailed uh, experience that you all have created on purpose. And it makes an incredible platform for engagement, both with the employees and for the public uh, and visitors to the city. So, I mean, I think most Fortune you know, 500 brands would die to have a platform for engagement like AT&T has created. And, you know, in every piece of content that we put up on that media wall, we always strive to do either best in class work or work that literally people have never seen before. We have some very, very special pieces of content that literally exist nowhere else in the world. Well, first of all, every single piece of content that we've created, I would say like 99% of it is exclusive to AT&T. It's custom created just for us. It's not like we're repurposing stuff. But beyond that, like we literally have work that literally could not exist anywhere else because of the technology is so cutting edge and the content we've created literally exists nowhere else. And I could, I would happily describe some of these pieces. They're truly state-of-the-art, bleeding edge, don't exist anywhere else, super cool stuff. But what we're trying to do in every single piece we bring to life on this media wall is create something that on a surface level is just beautiful to enjoy, that's artful, that's that's enjoyable, that creates a really great vibe and mood for the district. But on a deeper level, as you get to understand more why this piece is on the wall or what it's about, there's always some very considered angle as to why this is appropriate coming from AT&T. You know, either it talks about innovation or it talks about, you know, our commitment to the environment or it speaks to just being creative and, you know, like being somebody that cares about like imagination and invention and creativity, or it speaks to, you know, this fundamental need for humans to connect and how we're, you know, communication company, like every single piece that goes up on that media wall on its surface is a beautiful, just artful piece of content that creates a cool vibe, but it always is very appropriate under the surface. There's a bigger reason as to why it's there. And it's just created this really like, it's, it's not pushy. You don't feel like you just walked into a Times Square where like ads are perpetually like yelling at you. And yet, you 
know, it's an amazing platform for connecting with the community and with employees. And so it's just a very special place. And we try to keep the quality level really high and, you know, keep that something really special. And honestly, to have that much content that's constantly playing, we're always adding new pieces to the library of content that we play. Real-time content becomes a really interesting component to that. So I don't know if we want to get into talking about that, but, you know, when you give somebody a, a challenge to keep a media wall playing artful, beautiful content that's constantly updated and relevant, real-time content becomes a really interesting part of that equation. We have pieces of content that change with the day, change with the season, and even change with the weather. So it's like no matter what's happening, that piece is like uniquely relevant to what's going on right now. And so like one of the things we try to say is like, as the district is this is this convergence of technology, art and entertainment, um, there's always something new to see. And it's why it's called the Discovery District. So, you know, it's like, we there's a lot of very thoughtful consideration on the part of Ginsler, on the part of our other partners, um, SNA, like the whole team, it takes a village, but we've tried together to create something that's really, really special. And honestly, there's nothing like it in the world. Honestly, there's nothing like it in the world. You're no longer trying. You have succeeded, my friend. This is like, it's done. It, it's there. And I know that it's going to be this ongoing, growing, echinism, like living and breathing piece of art that is always going to evolve. But you have done it. You guys have done it. You're, not, you're no longer trying. You have set the bar so high. And that's why I wanted to talk about this project on my show. Because everybody is trying to create an experience, whether it's from a design perspective with Gensler, uh, whether it's from a techno technology type of hardware experience, you know, from SNA, and of course the brand AT&T, you guys are all looking to create and design and build experiences from so many different avenues. So before I let you guys go, this one is just going to be a high level. We got to drop some gems here. You can't have all these amazing people and brands on this show and not drop some gems. So everyone from either a, a, a technical perspective, from a design perspective, from a content perspective, anyone who is looking to create a destination a holistic experience what is one thing that they can learn from you all with this discovery district project i'll jump in first how about that um there's a lot of things i think that we all learned in a really positive way through this entire project i would say someone that's looking and and obviously there's not a lot of people that are going to be looking to do something at this scale uh that's what makes this one unique not of that scale but fundamentally but people are looking the destination yeah you know? fundamentally creating a destination and creating a, a connected ecosystem of experiences I, I think what's most important is to have the right players on the team and at&t made that a priority from day one uh the fact that we had the right players enabled us to move quickly and enabled us to be very methodical and strategic about the design and strategy uh, so I think that was clutch. I think beyond having the right people on the team, uh, it's really all about defining the vision. You know, we had a very clear roadmap and strategy from the very beginning. And we reference that still to this day. You know, Roger and I were just talking about content last week and we we're referencing conversations that we had a year ago or two years ago about content and different types of content and why we want to do different things and who we want to work with. So I think having that to keep everyone aligned, you know, especially with a big company like AT&T, there's a lot of stakeholders. There's been a lot of people involved in this project, a lot of hands that have touched it. The only way we've been able to keep it on rails is to have that clear vision and constantly refer back to that vision all along. So from my perspective, um, I would say those are the two keys to our success. 
Justin, you might just be my favorite guest on the show. One, because you said clutch. <laughs> you definitely dropped the clutch bomb. I love that. And secondly, That's a Houston term. Yeah, exactly. You got, we've got that H-Town connection going on right now. That's right. But absolutely, the partners and the vision were just so epic. The partners on this and the vision obviously was epic because you see the final presentation. And this is beyond anything we've seen. As Roger's been saying, it's very, very special place. So, Roger... To tune in on this. What what would you say? What's your what's your gem from a content perspective that really took this to the next level and can help somebody else create create another awesome experience? Yeah, I think that first and foremost, just keeping your eye on the ball that it's all about experience. Like in every in every single facet of this extremely multifaceted project, you know, keeping the vision of the experience front and center and and just adjusting everything to optimize the experience. There's so many factors that went into thinking through the experience. Um, I think that's a really, really important one. At the end of the day, that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for experiences. Um, and, it, and it creates a really, really powerful platform. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, you know, a lot of times you are approaching partners that are very technically proficient or you're approaching partners that are very like creatively, you know, creating beautiful things. But I've I've found that like really where the the magic happens is when you can find partners that understand both the technical and the creative and that's all in the same shop and they're actually colliding with each other and they've got both types of brains working on the same project. And where that overlap happens, like most studios stay in their swim lane. Either they're a technical, you know, technical expertise or you're this creative powerhouse. But when the creative and the technical live and coexist and they overlap and they collide, that's like that's the magic area where like you can really do some unprecedented and never before done things. And I'm telling you right now, dropping a hint, like We've done some very special things in the district that don't exist anywhere else. Love to maybe come on another podcast and tell you about some of them. But as a hint right now, we're working on a very special project that when we pull this off, we're basically going to turn the entire plaza into a club. Oh snap! Are we going to get we going to get some dancing going <laughs> on? Because I'm all hey, I'm all about the dance party. It's going to happen. That's it's me. It's going to happen. You better come on over because it's going to be fun. Man, this has just been such an awesome show. You guys are giving me goosebumps. You got Justin talking about coming in clutch. Roger's talking about that perfect blend of technology and creativity. That is why I started this podcast, right? Traditional AV is kind of super, super technical, and we leave the content out of it. And we also lose money that way, right? Because after we hang and bang our beautiful wall, then we're out of the conversation. And then there's another side of my brain that just loves content, and I'm like, we need to focus on the content. So that's why I started this podcast in general to kind of fuse all of these moving parts together to highlight that really, you know, up the level of experience. So Roger, I'm with you there and I'm I'm going to be having you back cuz I need to know where this dance party is going to be at cuz that's me. This is me all day right here. Bring it. The get <laughs> The people can't see it, but this is me all day. Anybody who knows me, I'm all about, all about the dance party. And definitely last but not least, Stu, from your perspective, I mean, you, you deal with hardware. You know, what what would you say is one gem that you have to drop when it comes to creating an experience from your side of the table? Yeah, it's nice to be thought of as a as a, a canvas to 
provide for artists. Um, a lot of the time we're asked to just put up a screen and we're going to put a screen here and we go, why are you putting a screen here and what are you going to put on it and why are you going to put that on it? Um, and those questions being answered is critical for us and being able to have those nights with Roger on the lawn and Roger go like, that doesn't look right. And I go, okay, let me, uh, let me look at this and see why it looks like that. And it doesn't look like you think it should look. So, um, you know, having that collaboration. Um, and then lastly, the ability for, you know, to think about what happens in day two, you know, I, I Pat Green uh, always said to me, who's my my boss, who said, you know, a screen will only look as good as day one. It just goes downhill from there. It's just the natural progression of the technology. So what do you do to maintain that? And, you know, having Sean and Ryan and his team that, that have the ability to walk through the district every day and to point out things and to make sure this looks as good as it did day one is super important. And Roger and his team to come up with these great creative concepts and be able to keep that content fresh um, and keep that district engaged. Because if it was the same thing playing over and over again in a loop, nobody would care. It would, again, just be an hour loop, a slot playlist, this thing that it is organic and that it is you know constantly evolving is, is a huge part of this bro it looks better now than it did on day one and we're constantly we're constantly <laughs> building the Good. library and creating world-class content and it looks stellar on your screen like i was talking with one of our partners who flew in from montreal just earlier this week and i was like these deep blacks look so rich and the colors look so vibrant i mean we're very proud of the partners we brought on. We're very proud of both the partnership with Ginsler and SNA and honestly, a host of other creative agencies that have helped make this place world-class. So thank you to all of you. Awesome. Awesome. Look, so we, we've, we got an awesome canvas. We've got the partnerships. We've got the vision. We've got the content and we have that sweet spot of creativity between you know the content and the technology to bring this truly guided experience to life. So guys, thank you so much for joining me because we can go, I told Justin at the beginning of this show, I could talk about this forever because I haven't been there and I just want to know everything about it. I'm pretty sure the people who have visited you know, the, the district already, when they go back, they'll see something new. Like they will, there will be multiple touch points that they haven't even discovered. And that is exactly what the Discovery District is about. So guys, before I let you go, where can the people find you? How can they get in touch? How can they learn more about the Discovery District if they aren't in the city of Dallas? Roger, let's, let's start off with you. Yeah, I mean, I'd say first and foremost, it'd be great for you to um, join our um Instagram account, that's a really great way to find out about what's going on because, I mean, one of the things we haven't even touched on on this podcast yet is that, like, there's a, there is a constant of, you know, evolution of events free and open to the public that are constantly going on in the Discovery District. There's always something new to see. There's always something new to discover. Um, it's a way that AT&T engages the community and, and, you know, it's very, it's very family friendly, but there's, I mean, sometimes there's flat out parties there. We had, um, you know, we have DJs on the lawn, we have all kinds of things going on. Um, and so I would say definitely join our Instagram account. We also have a website, attdiscoverydistrict.com, you know. Those are two great ways to to plug in. Perfect. AT&T AT Discovery District. Hit the follow on Instagram. I got to check that out. All right. Justin, where can the people find you and Ginsler for, I mean, sure, you guys, these are huge brands. If you don't know where to find them, guys, really, 
let's get it together. But Justin, for the people who might not know and want to get a hold of you and Gensler and talk more about design, where can the people do that? Let's connect. Uh, would love to talk to anyone that's interested in learning more about Gensler and our digital experience design practice area. Otherwise, dxd.gensler.com is uh, our website that's more focused on our practice area. You can learn a lot about the different services that we provide and lots of cool projects, including this one. There's a write-up on it. Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to sharing the story with many more people and connecting with anyone who's interested in learning more about Gensler. Oh yeah, I absolutely have that in the show notes so people can go read press release and things like that if they want to as well. And Stu, before we before we close this out, where can the people find you and SNA Displays? SNADisplays.com uh, has our full portfolio there. It's also where you can buy a lot of pixels, so uh, check it out. <laughs> perfect. Yes, buy more pixels. I love that, Stu. That was perfect. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of my crash pad we'll talk to you soon all right all right thanks for listening folks if you're excited to be a part of my techie tribe make sure you download subscribe and review this podcast and remember to stay creative and keep it techie peace